right side of the homepage under community events. Plug and play. You are listening to KBOO Portland on 90.7 FM, K2A2BH Philomath on 104.3 FM, and K220HR Hood River on 91.9 FM, and on the web at kboo.fm. Coming up this morning on KBOO at 9, uh, rather at 10, you'll hear flashpoints with Dennis Bernstein. At 11, Humankind continues discussing ways to build a healthy diet. And at 11.30, Art Focus Focus talks to Robert Hoffman about architectural diversity and the AIA Awards. All of these KBOO programs are made possible by member support. If you'd like to become a member, go to kboo.fm and click on Donate. Flashpoints. We'll take an in-depth look at Israel and its genocidal arms customers. Also, are hack Democrats planning to plant a warhawk as chair of the House Foreign Affairs Committee? And exactly what will that mean for the endless U.S. wars in the Middle East and North Africa? And we'll get an update on the People's Caravan from Honduras. Uh, they're now stalled in Tijuana. There's some intense feelings down there. We will get a report from the U.S.-Mexico border. I'm Dennis Burns, seeing all this straight ahead on Flashpoints. Stay tuned. And you're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. My name is Dennis Bernstein. This is your daily investigative news magazine. Well, we take it down south to the U.S.-Mexico border, uh, where many folks from that caravan have arrived. Uh, and there is some tension at the border. Uh, we go back to our good friend Alex Mensing, working with Pueblo Sin Fronteras, uh, working with the caravan and the folks who are trying to apply for asylum who have... Uh, already been through so much already. Alex Mensing, welcome back to Flashpoints. Good to have you with us. Hey, Dennis. Thanks for having me on. Nice to be with you. All right. Well, give us... uh, uh, I'm hearing reports. I'm talking to some folks on the ground where they uh there are some uh residents uh uh Mexicans who are not happy with the caravan we're getting a lot of reports about how they're not being welcomed can you can you bring us up to speed please yeah i think one of the most important things to start by clarifying is that in fact some of the people involved in organizing the anti-immigrant protests in Tijuana are actually from the United States. Uh, the people who are, are known to have been agitating <clears throat> um, anti-immigrant racist rhetoric uh, for some time now. And in fact, the, the protests that have happened uh, in the have been instigated. All right. Where you're fading in and out, maybe you could turn turn your body a little bit. I did. I I did in listening to some of these guys uh, who were supposedly the opposition in Tijuana. They really did feel like it, this. It, they were speaking real good English with a Texas accent. Go on. Take it, Alex. 
Hey, uh, can you hear me now? Yes, go on. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, so as I was saying, the <clears throat> there's an elements of infiltration, outside infiltration, and agitators of people who are actually from the United States who have been coming to Tijuana to organize these these racist uh, <clears throat> actions against the members of the the caravan of the Central American Exodus. Um, but the majority of people here in Tijuana have been. Um, demonstrating solidarity as as the Mexican people of all of the towns who uh, the exodus has passed through, and there's been an outpouring of support with food and water, um, <clears throat> medical care, and whatnot. Um, aside from the what the Tijuana municipality has set up, unfortunately, the municipality hasn't been able to get together enough resources to to provide uh, for all of the needs of the people uh, the exodus. Um, and their 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 integration of civil society into the process of providing that solidarity support has been uh, has been disappointingly slow. Uh, but people are organizing to be able to provide that kind of assistance, and so we we've seen now. Obviously, it's it's a it's an important moment for the exodus. Not everyone from the exodus is here yet. There are nearly 3,000 people from the exodus here in Tijuana, but there's nearly another 3,000 in Mexicali, a nearby town uh, where the, the, the buses that had brought the first group here to Tijuana subsequently brought more people but left them in Mexicali. And so they're organizing to find a way probably tomorrow to move to Tijuana because the unity of the group has been what has given it the power to, uh, to stay safe uh, to to um, foster respect for their rights, uh, and so uh, all being together is is better from their perspective. Um, and so when they get to Tijuana, they'll start. They'll have to find more space to be able to. And then people are organizing both to seek asylum in the United States, uh, to to in some cases try to regularize their status here in Mexico, uh, and in some cases um, look into other options. The Archbishop of Canada was here today, uh, yesterday, um, without a concrete offer, but uh, there's a lot of international attention on what's going on, and I personally think that this is an extraordinary uh, moment for people to reflect on what's actually going on in Central America, the systemic violence, uh, the structural violence of Central America, and to and to reconsider not only U.S. policy in Central America, but also how this refugee population uh, needs to be responded to and needs to be dealt with in a in a humanitarian way, in a way that respects their human rights. The uh, U.S. government, Homeland Security, has done everything it can, the Border Patrol, to sort of heighten the so-called danger. Uh, among the things they've closed down, there, there are many lanes that come from Mexico and the United States. Uh, I understand they closed it down to a crawl, closing down most, lane, most lanes, uh, keeping people in lines for long period of times as a way of generating uh, anger against uh, the folks in the caravan. Is that your understanding? Exactly. And in fact, this morning, early in the morning, they completely shut down all northbound tra car traffic through the San Ysidro port of entry, which is something that generated a lot of immediate backlash by, by the Tijuana and San Diego populations. Uh, it's designed specifically by the U.S. government in order to not only generate uh, uh, discontent and animosity towards members of the caravan, blaming them for it, uh, but also to create this kind of false sense of of invasion, of crisis, of the the possibility of violence, 
the typical kind of uh, Trump administration era rhetoric that we've seen that is uh, that is supposed to to make people afraid and to make people afraid of of in this case women and children and families and and men who have come fleeing fleeing horrible violence with no other option. There was a woman today who spoke in a press conference uh, organized by uh, local organizations here in Tijuana, a member of the Central American Exodus from Honduras, who who spoke about how she didn't want to come to the United States. She was forced to come because of persecution, violent persecution against her, um, and, and her only option is to seek asylum in the United States because she doesn't feel safe in Mexico either. And yesterday, her sister was murdered in her hometown and she spoke about this publicly and spoke very eloquently calling for solidarity not only to the mexican people but to the to the people in the united states um to to look for a solution to this and to to call for an end to this criminalization uh by by both both the the right both in mexico and in the united states uh, against the population and and there's all kinds of attempts. There's been attempts the entire way by the Mexican government and the U.S. government, even the Guatemalan government, as the exodus has traveled, um, to to paint a picture of a, a violent mob. And that's just not the truth. I've been sleeping with uh, on the floor in parks, public parks, um, for over two weeks with people who are in this caravan, and I've I've not had anything stolen. I haven't been attacked. And that's not simply a matter of having been somebody from the United States who is traveling with them. Um, there's a lot of people who specifically have traveled in a group for protection, for mutual protection, um, and it's it's a way for people to escape the the dangers, uh, the traditional dangers of of fleeing Central America, where Mexican authorities and organized crime take advantage of them. Uh, and, and we don't need another challenge by the U.S. government. Uh, criminalizing people. So say, uh, we're speaking with Alex Mensing of Pueblo Sin Fronteras. Uh, he is uh, with the caravan in Mexico. Uh, they are uh, about 3,000 so far at the border. Where, what what are the, if you will, the accommodations? Or where are people staying? Is there room for the 3,000? Will there be room for another 3,000? Describe that for us. So the place that has been set up by the municipal government with the support of the state government here in Tijuana, Baja California, is a, it's a sports center. And so uh, it, it's in a, a part of town very near the border, very near actually the international port of entry. And currently all of the areas that have a roof over them are full. There's a, a field, a baseball field, uh, where there's room to put tents. Uh, if people send large tents to Tijuana as donations, it would be extremely helpful in terms of providing uh, shelter for folks. But tomorrow, when up to 3,000 more people show up, there is not enough room in that spot. People are going to end up camping, uh, as they have been for the entire entire trajectory since, since Honduras, uh, wherever it is that they can find space, unless the municipality can, uh, can pull something together to provide uh, another space. And what's happening is extremely concerning to us because it, this is a, a, an untenable situation of essentially a refugee camp being set up because the U.S. government refuses to respect the right to asylum. People come, they get to the port of entry, they, they get to where Customs and Border Protection officers are guarding the entry, they state their fear of returning to their home country, and CBP officers tell them, the U.S. Gov- US immigration tells them, there's no space, you, gotta, you have to wait. 
and that there's no provision under domestic or international law that allows the United States government to tell people to get lost when they show up fleeing violence. Uh, so the, this entire bottleneck situation is completely fabricated. There is lack of capacity. The, the argument that the U.S. government is giving is that there's no capacity to process these asylum seekers. But the truth is that the U.S. government refuses to not incarcerate immigrants, and the U.S. government refuses to, uh, to, to provide the personnel necessary in order to attend to this crisis that the U.S. US intervention in Central America helped create. There's no lack of capacity. There's only a lack of will. So, Alex, um, so then there is, uh, I guess you're anticipating with the arrival of thousands more, uh, a bit of chaos. Uh, I'm wondering uh, where the Mexican government is now and are people hoping that the new government that's due, uh, the new more progressive government, it seems, uh, due into power in just a couple of weeks, uh, is there some anticipation of a change in policy, a way of dealing with this? Because this could really uh, go down the wrong road and get very ugly given the way in which the U.S. government has cut off the flow. That's a really good question. And in fact, last night there was a meeting uh, with some of the members of the Central American Exodus and representatives from the, the Mexican uh, Labor Secretariat and Mexican Immigration with a proposal that began uh, in effect today for essentially a, an offer for people to regularize their status and find work in Mexico. And so there's a number of companies that showed up to a, a series of tents today. There will be more showing up tomorrow who need workers, who need uh, laborers of all, all different kinds of professions. Uh, and if there's a match between members of the Central American Exodus and, uh, and these companies, Mexican immigration has committed to providing some sort of regular status. And this is a really good step forward, I think, uh, in, in providing a real solution, albeit temporary, to some of the members of the Central American Exodus. Um, and I hope that some people who uh, can't afford to to uh, to, to wait uh, in order to seek asylum in the United States before they, they try to support their families who are waiting, um, and for people who don't have the intention either due to the fact that they aren't fleeing uh, persecution or violence or simply don't want to suffer through months and months of incarceration in the United States, uh, that some of these people will, will opt to look for work in Mexico, and then Mexico will rise to the occasion and, and provide the opportunity for people to work uh, with all of the, the benefits and rights and obligations that they would have just as any uh, as any Mexican citizen would. And there was uh, presence at that meeting was the, the person who will be the national head of Mexican immigration in the incoming administration of Lopez Obrador. And so we, we also hope that, and we'll be watching to make sure that the incoming administration continues with that policy, but hopefully that opens up more possibilities. We would like to see uh, an end to the discrimination against Central Americans in Mexico uh, so that the Central American and Mexican brothers and sisters can travel as they should be freely uh, through the region uh, without, uh, without the, uh, the criminalization that they currently face. And so we're, we're hoping that the, the new government does, does provide a, a longer, a more humane solution to this. 
All right. Well, Alex Mensing, as always, we appreciate the incredibly important information and uh, you uh, keeping track and being a part of this caravan now so that we can get some uh, on the ground reporting about what's really going on. And I I, I do thank you for pointing out that uh, because, you know, the, the corporate networks are playing that, oh, there's a Mexican re- resistance uh, uh playing that up big time and I saw some of these uh, the folks who were so called uh, the local protesters there and like I said I was saying earlier uh, they had quite uh, uh, one of them had quite the Texas accent talking perfect English several of them uh, did not seem uh, like they were local so I was really concerned about the the role that Ajahn Provocateurs and this kind of uh, infiltrative uh, operation might have on this situation your, your final thoughts on that yeah, I, I mean, people in the in the exodus are organizing to to paint a, the the true image of of the the population that has had to flee Central America, and, and we're hoping that the media will respect that story, uh, promote it more than the very small group of agitators, many of whom are not from Tijuana, uh, that have been uh, successfully uh, promoted in in the mass media, unfortunately. Um, in in their racist activities, but um, I believe that not only the Tijuana community, but the members of the Central American 